Sovereign God, 
reading this morning comes from the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. You can turn there with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 13 through 18, the close of the book. And Pastor Mike will be preaching verse 16 in just a few minutes. And as you're turning there, I'll just say that we remain standing. We read God's word because we want to honor it as his perfect, holy, inerrant, inspired word to us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 13. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness. In every letter of mine, it is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. You may be seated. And as we go to the Lord in prayer together, just want to mention today we'll be praying for one of the missionary families that we support, and that's Tom and Marianne Barlow. They are serving in Birmingham, England with Encompass World Partners, and they're involved in leadership development as well as the ministry of the local church there. And so as we pray, we'll pray for them this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we... We thank you for the truths that we've just been singing about. Thank you that by Jesus' blood, our sins have been washed away. And you've called us to be a holy people and a royal priesthood, uh, a, a people who belong to Christ. And thank you that we now can sing that the lover of our soul, we want to live for him. And Lord, we do just bring our lives before you this morning together as your people and say that we long to live for you. Um, we need the work of your spirit in our lives more and more to draw us towards the kind of holy life together as a community that you've called us to. Lord, we want to grow, to be more loving, more patient, more at peace, to have more joy in our lives, to be more selfless uh, and, and others focused in the way that we live, to have a greater joy and delight as we think about the, the way that you've worked in our lives to draw us to yourself. Lord, we, we just... Um, we want to acknowledge this morning all the ways that we fall short of your glory. Lord, we know that even though you've made us new, we still continue to struggle in the flesh. And so we call our minds again to the cross, and we just thank you for Jesus, that he is the, the one sacrifice to end all sacrifices, that on the cross he became a curse for us and was made sin for us so that we, if uh, we trust Christ, wouldn't meet that end, and then three days later rose again. Lord, we thank you that in his rising, you've raised us as well through faith into new life. Lord, we pray that you would help us more and more to present our bodies to you as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. Lord, would you transform us increasingly into the image of Christ as a people? Would you make us holy, and that would, would that witness be a bright light to the watching world? Lord, we pray for Tom and Marianne. We thank you so much for their ministry in England in a, in a challenging place for the gospel. Um, lots of kind of hardened hearts. And we just ask that you would bring your word with spiritual power as they're involved with br uh, bringing up leaders and involved in the church plant there. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would um, cause people to move from darkness into light, that you'd bring people to Christ. We pray that you would use their ministry for eternal good, that you would be rescuing souls and growing them towards maturity. And Lord, we specifically 
ask that you would continue to raise up more godly and mature leaders who would be able to shepherd your people there and even plant more churches that would be lights in their communities as well. We pray for Tom and Marianne that you would encourage them, help them to be faithful, steadfast in the work. And we just thank you for the opportunity we have to support them as a church. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning. We thank you that you speak to us from your word, and we pray that this morning you would open our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us. Pray that you bring your word with power this morning, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.
we thank you that you have rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Lord, thank you for that unbelievable, undeserved grace and the love that you just pour out on us in such abundance, Lord, that you give us the right to be your children and to spend eternity with you, Lord. God, we pray that you would help us to understand and apply your word this morning. God, please just draw our hearts and minds to your truth. Help us to understand, Lord, and then just give us the strength to live it out as we seek you and grow to love and know you more, Lord. We love you. We ask this in all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you to open up the good word of God and to see the greatness of God and the glory of Christ in the scriptures together. We're going to see today that Jesus provides peace to his people all the time, in every circumstance, 24-7, in everything. And some of you are like, this is not possible. And yet, it is even though many of us live with an underlying sense of unrest and not peace. Sometimes even though you want things to be peaceful, they can be very stressful. We all live there. Sometimes you can even think you're resting in peace and you're burdened and you're in conflict internally. Uh, sometimes doesn't peace just seem like it just flies out the window? It's just gone Someone breaks their word to you. Instead of peace, you start churning. Such is life. We need peace, but we often are absent of peace. And I think we find ourselves, you know, wishing certain things like, if only everyone could just get along, right? Or if only uh, there weren't cliques or bullies or know-it-alls or whatever. Life would just be peaceful, right? Wrong. The reason you don't have peace in your life is not because of the people in your life or the problems in your life. It is because of your pride. And the reason I know that is because it's the same for me, it's the same for you, it's the same for all of us. Our pride reigns too often and then peace is in short supply. H.G. Wells put it this way, here I am at 65 years old and I am still seeking for peace. Some of you might be like that. Like, I thought by the time I got to this point in my life, I would have figured this out, how to get along with people, how to be at peace, how to, how to not have conflict and unrest all the time. A.T. Pearson said, The peace of God is that eternal calm which lies far too deep in the praying, trusting soul to be reached by any external disturbances. Some of you are like, that's about as far from a description of me as possible. That's how a lot of us are. Spurgeon put it this way, do you know what it is when you are tossed on the waves to go down into the depths of the Godhead and there rejoice that not a wave of trouble ruffles your spirit, 
but that you are serenely at home with God, your own almighty Father. Most of us were honest, we'd say, well, that happens every once in a while. But I can't tell you that, that what is, is in 2 Thessalonians 3.16 is true about my life in any way, in a, in a majority, in the majority, it's, it's usually the minority idea that maybe every once in a while. But for the most part, I have an absence of peace, and it's the source of a lot of stress and anxiety in my heart. That's what most people would admit. We do, we do not have peace with another person. We churn inside. We get nervous even when their name gets mentioned. So we know why we need this prayer today. I want you to see how it can help. We know we need it, but how can it help? So this is one of the 316 verses in the Bible. It's 2 Thessalonians 316. Paul is praying for peace, for the peaceful church. And we're coming down to the last three verses of this letter, and this letter has been telling the church, you remain steadfast in Christ in the middle of problems, in the middle of persecutions of this life, and what this verse is declaring is that God alone can give peace. And, and he is asking God for the peace that only God gives. So he's going to the right place. It's the peace that passes understanding. It's the peace that guards our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the peace we need. But we need to see how this prayer brings it about. Now, it's not uncommon to see a prayer at the end of a, of a New Testament letter. This is a, a common thing. Most New Testament letters end with a prayer, benediction type thing. And so 2 Thessalonians is the same there. Uh, Paul has addressed the church. He's talked to them about their concerns about the return of Christ, talked to them about those who were idle in the church and needed to be corrected. And so he's starting to, to bring this letter to a close with a prayer for Jesus himself to give peace to his gathered people. Now, some of you might think, wait a minute. The Thessalonians needed this? I mean, they were steadfast. They were, you know, abounding in the work of the Lord. They were, they were loving one another. They were loving the Lord. They were doing the, the right things. And, and lest you think, by the way, that our conflicts are worse. Like, you know, they weren't living in 2022. They don't understand what it was like. Lest you think our conflicts are worse than they experienced, this prayer for peace would have hit them right where they lived. It would have been especially helpful for the first recipients of this letter. I, I would almost venture to say that they were going through worse than we go through. These church members were regularly facing conflicts. They had people coming at them. It was anything but peaceful. They were no strangers to persecution. They were no strangers to problems. Outside the church and inside the church. And they were no stranger to the disruption of peace, the disturbing of the peace. Acts 17 tells us that Paul's preaching the gospel, people are getting saved, and then the Jews get jealous and they stir up the rabble, the men, the wicked men of the rabble, and they form a mob, they set the city in an uproar, they drag Jason, they go to his house and drag a believer named Jason out into the streets. There were people in the church that were shaken up by false teaching. It was causing conflict regarding the second coming of Christ. There were, there were the existence of idle members in the church that were taking advantage of the church's working members. It was causing them to stress. 
So this steadfast, obedient, loving church was in need of peace. Just like you and I need peace. We all need peace. We all want peace. We all, and we all lack peace probably far too often, if we're willing to admit it. And I'm going to keep repeating it, but the reason why you don't have peace in your life is not because of the people in your life and because of the problems in your life. It is because of you. It's because of your pride. Your pride gets in the way, and you become a disturber of the peace. So we know why we need this prayer, but let's see what this prayer can do. What we see in this prayer, and I want you to put your eyes on verse 16. So 2 Thessalonians 3.16, one verse today. I'm going to keep it really simple. One verse. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. There it is. Jesus, Prince of Peace, blesses his steadfast, obedient, loving church with permeating peace. We're talking about peace 24-7. We're talking about peace that you don't experience. We're talking about peace that you don't even maybe believe that could really happen in the situations that are in your life. And what Paul is praying for as he prays for peace is that Jesus, and by the way, you know the old Sunday school answer? What's the right answer? Jesus, this is the answer. If there's one thing I want you to remember today is you keep going back to Jesus. If you're lacking peace, go back to Jesus. Repent and go back to Jesus. If you're lacking peace in your life, if you're in the middle of conflict all the time, if you even find yourself stirring up the pot and creating conflict, go back to Jesus. This this prayer is that Jesus would grant the church peace that true believers, true believers, this is, this is Jesus giving peace in the context here to those who are really brethren, those really belong to Jesus. This is not generic peace on earth, okay? Oh, what do you want? Peace on earth. No, that's not what that is. That's great. Peace on earth would be great. But this is about peace residing in the hearts and the souls and the minds of believers. And so the, the prayer is that Jesus would be the source of their peace He would supply it, he would sustain it, and he would remain with his people. Jesus would give peace. In fact, the first thing I want you to see is that what he's praying is that Jesus would give peace personally from him. Do you notice it says, may the Lord of peace himself? Like, I'm pretty excited about that. We don't have to go somewhere else. Some of you are like, you know, if only I do this, 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 and this, I'll have peace in my life. Only I breathe the right way or sit the right way or eat the right thing or talk to the people in the right way, I'll have peace. And that this verse is telling us, no, Jesus gives peace. He's the Lord of peace. It's from Jesus. You want peace? Go to Jesus. If you want peace, stop going to all those other places you go to try to find peace. Go to Jesus. That Jesus, this is the first thing he prays, that Jesus would personally source the peace to his people. Some of you are like, oh, that's too simple. You know, all I can tell you is that for the rest of your life, this will be the answer to your lack of peace. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace. You can have a deep, abiding sense of well-being and all will be well because God is sovereign and he is in control and he is working all things together for good to those who love him. The Lord of peace, God himself, he who is peace 
himself. He is our peace. He is the source of peace. He is the purveyor of peace. He's the provider of peace. He's the prince of peace. He's the Lord of peace. And he provides perfect, permeating peace. He grants it to his people. And so this is what Paul is praying for. That Jesus would personally supply peace. That Jesus would personally see to it that you have peace. And God alone can bring about what Paul is, is asking. The thought behind this prayer is this, really. Now, without the Lord's help, all your efforts are in vain. Everything you try to do to get peace without Jesus, they'll be in vain. True peace comes from God. You've got to grasp it. You know it, but you go all these other places and try to get it. Jesus is where peace comes from. He is, the, he is the Lord of peace. Where God is, peace is. Where peace is, God is. He's the substance of it. He's the sustainer of it. He's the, the supplier of peace. In fact, and he, and he, and he gives peace to, to the cooperative. Isaiah 26.3 says that God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him because he trusts in him. The idea is if you run to the cross and you trust the Lord Jesus for salvation, you are the beneficiary of peace with God. Romans 5.1 says it. Therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our enemyhood with God is over because of Jesus, because he justifies us by faith. Sin makes you an enemy of God, but the blood of Jesus brings peace with God. He is the Lord of peace. In fact, the Lord of peace, Jesus himself, is the only one who can bring harmony with believers. You have problems with people. There are people that you hear their name, and it, it, it stirs you up inside. You know you're going to see them somewhere, and you, you, get, you get worried. You get a little bit anxious. Sin makes us enemies of God, but the blood of Jesus brings peace with God. And the Lord of peace alone can make harmony among believers a reality. Isn't it sad that the church is, in, in general, I mean, through the years, the church has been at each other's throats. Not Grace Church of Orange, but the church in general. And it hits us too. But peace with God provides the basis for believers, peace with one another. In fact, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 explains it all. Speaking to Jew and Gentile and saying, in Ephesians 2, 14, he himself, Jesus himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man, the church. In the place of two, one new man, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came, he says, he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near, and through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. It was a prayer. It was a prayer at the end of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23. May the God of peace himself personally sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Notice that Paul says the Lord of peace. He doesn't say the God of peace. Elsewhere he says the God of peace. This is just telling us he, he worshiped Jesus as God as we do. He commonly used the word Lord for Jesus. It, it identifies him as the God of Israel. He worshiped Jesus as God. And he's saying true, lasting, real peace only comes from Jesus. Comes from God. People claim to provide peace, and they can't. Islam claims to provide peace. It can't deliver it. God alone can speak peace to your soul, can end the hostility that you have with him on account of your sin. The Lord God gives peace. He's revealed fully in Christ Jesus. He's the source. He's the sustainer of peace. If you're finding yourself today and you're like, I have not one shred of peace that I can detect in my heart, I would say turn to the Lord Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus that he died for you and he, rose, and he, and he paid the penalty your sins deserved and, and he took the wrath of God and he was buried and he rose on the third day and he's coming again and he is the only source of peace. If you don't have peace in your soul, if you have not one shred of peace, not one sliver of peace, not one tiny little thread of peace, you need Jesus. He is our peace. Matthew Henry put it this way, if we have any peace that is desirable, God must give it. Who is the author of peace and lover of concord. We shall neither have peaceable dispositions ourselves nor find men disposed to be at peace with us unless the God of peace give us both. Puritan Thomas Watson said, God the Son is called the Prince of Peace. He came into the world with a song of peace on earth, peace. He went out of the world with a legacy of peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. He said Christ's earnest prayer was for peace. He prayed that his people would be one. Christ not only prayed for peace, but he bled for peace, having made peace through the blood of his cross. He died not only to make peace between God and man, but between man and man. That Christ suffered on the cross that he might cement together. In fact, the, 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 the Greek word for peace, it gets this idea of things just being together, not separate, together, that he might cement Christians together with his blood as he prayed for peace, so he paid for peace with his blood. That we would be cemented together with God and with one another. Just the other day, I was working in my backyard and I was taking down some uh, retaining blocks, they're really heavy retaining blocks, and I came across one and I realized, wow, something's interesting here. We've been pulling apart all this stuff in the back of our yard and I noticed that there's this retaining block that's cemented to chain link. So I went and got my pickaxe and started wailing away with no, gla with no safety glasses. Don't tell Angela on me, please, okay? Don't tell my family. But I had to wail away at it and it was tough, but I got them separated. Here, the peace that Jesus gives cements you together with him and with your brothers and sisters in Christ in a way that can't be 
separated. Your position in Christ is secure. And what happens is we become disturbers of the peace. The peace that exists. We become disturbers of the peace that exists. And it's not the people in our life. It's not the problems in our life. It's our pride. It's my pride. It's your pride. Can we just be honest with each other? We all know it. But praise God that he gives peace and that we could even be, even see us and fellow believers being steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, resilient to withstand the wind and waves of issues and problems and persecutions and doubt and unbelief. May the Lord of peace grant you peace. The Lord spoke to Moses in number six, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, and you probably know this blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. He says, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. The Lord permanently supplies peace and he does it personally. May the Lord himself do it. Be happy about the fact that you can go back to Jesus. You have to keep running around all these different sources that you think are going to make you get along with people or be peaceful. Go back to Jesus. That there would be this overriding peace in your life that people would say, you know, there's, a, there's an undercurrent in their life that doesn't budge and it's... it's it's good, it's, it's peaceful, it's calm, it's, it's settling. It's shalom, it's the Old Testament term shalom. It's, it's this deep, abiding sense of well-being and that all will be well because God is sovereign and he is in control and he will work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That Jesus, this is what we're praying, this is what Paul was praying, this is what we need to pray, that Jesus would personally source the peace. And I want you to notice the next phrase, at all times. That Jesus would permanently supply it, this peace that comes from him. At all times, all the time, 24-7, that, that that's a possibility to actually have a peace that has no end date on it, no expiration, and doesn't run out, and all you wish to enjoy is available, and this peace is not a temporary passing feeling. Sometimes the best many of us get is a temporary passing feeling of peace. And God wants so much more for you. God has provided so much more for you and for me and for his church. What he is praying for, this peace at all times, is this under, undergirding, overriding, permeating peace that is continual and the supply does not run dry it's like it's just getting replenished all the time 
Some of you are, are gluttons for punishment, and many of our wounds are self-inflicted. We all know that. It happens in my life all the time. But this kind of peace, picture your favorite pie. For me, it would be cherry or, or some kind of berry. But picture where a, your own, your, 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 a pie, and it's cut into pieces. And you take one. But let's say you're all by yourself, and you really like it. Now you're a glutton, okay? Don't be glutton. But let's just follow me with this silly example. So there's a pie, and you love it, and it's cut into pieces and stuff. But when you take one piece out, and you go, and, and you turn this way, and you look back, it's, there's, it's, it's there again. It's just filled up again. And you, and you give out five of them, and then you go back, and it's, it's, it's there. It's, it's filled up. It's, it's this well that won't run dry. And, and all I would say is be a glutton for peace. Go back to Jesus over and over and over again. His grace and his peace and his love never runs dry. And it's always good for you. It won't give you some disease. At all times, there would be no break in the flow of Christ's peace. This is what is getting prayed for. And the thing is, he's praying for something that is not impossible. He's praying for something that God absolutely does. I love praying for something that I know God's going to do. I mean, stop praying for a, 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 a new house or a new car and just start praying for peace. Stop praying for a new spouse or different kids or better circumstances in your life. Just go to Jesus and ask for peace at all times. Not only does the Christian have peace with God, have access to the peace of God. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. We're so anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Pray. Go to Jesus. Keep going to Jesus. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Oh, you don't understand it? The Bible says you're not going to understand it. But it will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You can't figure it out. You don't know how it keeps getting replenished. You don't even know how you're making it. You don't even know how you're getting through the thing you're getting through. Peace is more than the absence of hostility or animosity or negativity. Peace in the Bible is wholeness. It is completeness. It is Rest, it is calm, it is blessing. And in the Old Testament, if someone said to you, peace be with you, he wasn't saying, I hope you have a problem-free day. He wasn't saying, I, I hope you have an argument-free day. He wasn't saying, I hope everyone gets along with you. It's just a certain statement of blessing, peace be with you. May, may God's help and strength and grace be yours. We're trying to get peace in so many ways. You might say, well, I'm going to just avoid conflict. And it'll go away. It chases you down. Others will pursue peace by saying, I'm just going to accumulate as many possessions as I can, and it's going to make me feel good. And some people latch on to teachings of false teachers. None of that can give you peace with God. What gives you peace with God? Jesus. Go back to Jesus. 
It, it, it will con- peace will continue to elude you if you go everywhere but Jesus to look for it. I mean, is this not awesome that for, no matter how young you are, how old you are, for the rest of your life, the answer is Jesus. If you know Christ, you are at peace with God and he will sustain this peace forever. And, and you're going through chaos and you're going through conflict and you're going through concerns and you have confusion and life is painful and hard. Welcome to the club. We'll make you a membership card. I was talking to a friend who has a friend who has cancer, whose mom just died, whose spouse has a debilitating illness, and they can't find a place to live. And he said about his friend, he has and knows the peace that passes understanding, that deep abiding sense of well-being because God is in control and all will be well. Sometimes we sit over our full cup and we complain that it's the wrong flavor. There are people with no apparent reason to have any unrest or be upset and they manufacture conflict. We do it all the time. It's like we have a conflict factory in the back room of all of our lives. And I'll repeat it again. You lack peace in your life, not because of the problems in your life, not because of the people in your life, but because of your pride. And I know it for a fact because I know my own heart. And Jesus gives peace all the time. It's a well that won't run dry. His prayer is praying that Jesus would personally give and source the peace, and that Jesus would per- permanently really supply it. But there's more. There's another phrase. It's like heaping amazingness upon amazingness. And, and there's another phrase, that he will give you peace at all times in every way. So now there's no circumstance of life that's off the table where you couldn't have peace. He's praying that Jesus would plentifully sustain the peace in every way. It won't run dry, and it's going to be able to be applied where there's more than enough, always being refreshed for every need and every moment, in every way. That the prevailing peace, the permeating peace, would continue no matter the circumstance. There was a ship that was wrecked in a violent storm, a furious storm, and the only survivor was a little boy, and he clung to a rock all night until he was rescued. And they asked him afterwards, they said, Are, were you trembling all night as you held onto the rock? And he said, of course I was, but the rock didn't budge. You go back to Jesus. You got conflict? You can't get along with your spouse? Your kids are driving you crazy? You don't like your boss? Go on and on and on and on. And you go back to Jesus. Sometimes we want peace, but there's war. Sometimes there's unrest. Sometimes there's conflict. Sometimes there's strife. What do we do? We go back to Jesus. He would defrost our hearts. And he would free us from our pride, that we would repent of our pride. The answer to living a peaceful life and being a peaceful church is right here in one of the 316 verses of the Bible. You pray and trust Jesus to provide peace. And then you live it. Then you live it. 
It's a peace that covers all situations at all times in every way where you take everything to God in prayer with thanksgiving and you get the peace that springs from God, but then you realize, uh-oh, due to my pride, I'm a disturber of the peace. And I live among people who disturb the peace. And the peace exists and remains, and yet we cover it over. Paul is praying that Jesus, the Lord of peace, would provide peace all the time, in every circumstance, everything that you face and that I face when you're going through that hard time. When you don't have an answer to the quandary that you're in. When your parents are fighting. When you and your siblings are fighting. When you and your friends can't seem to get along. When, when you and your spouse can't seem to get along. When harmony is absent, where friction is present, when you're uneasy, when, when you're stirred up inside, Jesus comes along to his tender-hearted people who are seeking him or going back to him and personally provides peace, and then he sustains it and supplies it, and he does so in such a way with this assurance. And, and you, see this, you see this phrase at the very end of the verse. Look at, look at the very end of the verse. The Lord be with you all. Real, real prayer, by the way, plays no favorites. He's with you all. All of you. Every one of you. The Lord be with all of you. And, and by the way, I love this. I love a prayer that is already guaranteed. I love a prayer that has already been promised. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The psalmist in Psalm 46, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Matthew in Matthew 1.23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being translated is God with us. Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, John 6, I will never cast out. At our house on the front, right above our front door, there's a wooden carving that says, Peace be to all who enter. Got it out of garage sale years ago. Those of you who know me well know that that's where I get things. And I always thought, I remember thinking when I got it, thinking this is a really cool wooden carving thing. I got one in my office that says, like, Jesus is Lord. But I really wanted the one for the front door to say, Jesus is Lord as well. Like, I really wanted the, the front door one to say, Jesus is Lord, and you need to believe in him right now. So if you come up to my house, you get a message even if I'm not home. But what I love about peace, be to all who enter. Is that when you go again to Jesus, when you keep going back to Jesus, peace reigns. What is my prayer for anyone who would cross the threshold into our home? That they would know Jesus as Lord, that they would know his peace, and that they would have peace with other people. The opposite of peace is a hurricane, right? The opposite of peace is, is, a, is a unrest, it's, it's enmity, it's, it's enemyhood, it's fighting, it's conflict, it's strife. 
the synonyms to peace is rest and calm and unity and togetherness and cementedness and harmony. What do you live with most, the antonyms or the synonyms of peace? Peace and quiet. How many times have parents said this, I just, or grandparents, I just want some peace and quiet? What they mean is, can everyone stop talking? God promised peace and quiet to his people, but peace and quiet, it's in Ezekiel, but peace and quiet, quiet is calmness. It's, it's like saying, I'm giving you peace, and I'm giving you peace. You might be running at breakneck speed in your life, and you're sitting still. Your mind's going a thousand miles a minute, and it's primarily conflict. You're trying to resolve it, and you find you can't, and, and you can't even grasp the peace that passes understanding. You know what I'm going to say. Go to Jesus. The Lord of peace. Don't miss it like a ship in the night, blinded by pride. Go to Jesus. Now you may think to yourself, this is a fine prayer, but there's no way it's happening. You may think, it's not realistic. It's absolutely possible is what I want to tell you. It's absolutely realistic. It's more real than anything you know. It's expected, it's provided, it's, it's empowered by God. And so to me, the, the response is, I'm just gonna, I wanna worship the Lord of peace. I'm gonna keep going back to Jesus. I'm gonna keep worshiping the Lord of peace, the God of peace, I, who I have peace with because of the blood of Jesus. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow him to, to turn my perspective such that, that I will pray and trust him to defrost my heart and, and, and help me know I'm not that important and most of the things I'm dealing with in life right now are not life and death. And I'm gonna trust God and surrender to him and, and rest in him and just wanna be a, a blessing. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. In him we live and move and have our being. All things were open and laid bare to him to whom we have to do. I want to strive for peace. Worship the Prince of Peace and then, and then live it. Strive for it. I think it's kind of weird to say fight for your peace, right? I think it's kind of weird to say fight for your joy. I mean, but what about strive for peace? What about pursue peace? That's biblical. Pursue it. Chase it down. That there would be no falsehood in your life. That there would, there would be no you know, peace, peace, where there is no peace, and you, you're, you're going to just go on with someone and say, we're at peace, and then you go on in coldness. But that you would really want to know the peace that God gives. And, and, and I would say you don't fight for peace, you yield for it. You yield for it. Yield now and be at peace with him, as the scriptures say. Amy Carmichael put it this way, in acceptance lies peace. I will accept the breaking sorrow which God tomorrow will to me explain. And then did the deep turmoil within me cease. 
See, God can bring you peace, but it's not going to come knocking at your door and hitting you upside the head when you are doing the exact opposite of peace. If you're being a disturber of the peace, you need to go back to Jesus and repent. The enemy of your peace is not the people in your life or the problems in your life. It is your pride. Pride kills peace. You want to destroy and allow Jesus to destroy pride and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Anything you magnify above Jesus. Because God has magnified above all things his name and his word. You want to do the same. My prayer would be so that you would experience such peace that Jesus would be most glorious to you. When Jesus is more glorious to you than anything in, in all of life, then he becomes your shelter in storm. That your peace flows like a river. You know he loves your soul and he builds you up and he, he blesses you and, and he is the perfection of peace. Jesus is the perfection of peace. In the 1960s, there was a, a missionary, Don Richardson, that found a way to preach the gospel to warring savage cannibals in Irian Jaya, New Guinea. They had this custom in order to keep the peace between two tribes so they wouldn't kill and eat each other, they, they would swap babies. And as long as the baby from one tribe was unharmed as it lived with the other tribe and vice versa, the peace remained. Problem is what they found was that the, the babies didn't always get treated well and it wasn't always working out. And Richardson preached to them Jesus the ultimate peace child, the perfect peace child. Never disturbs the peace. I know that in your life, because I know my life, the absence of peace is the source of a lot of stress and anxiety and it weighs your heart down. I think it's always appropriate to, to ask ourselves, are there any unreconciled relationships in my life? If you're not reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, you are never going to have peace until, unless and until you turn to Christ. That you believe in, in the Lord Jesus who, who died in your place at the cross, shedding his blood, paying for your sin, taking the wrath of God, dying in your place, buried, risen, and coming again. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and you will have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And maybe today you, you know Jesus, but you say, I know I have unreconciled relationships in the body of Christ. I know there's things in my life where I've been the disturber of the peace, and I've blamed other people for it, or blamed my problems for it, and my pride has gotten in the way. Go back to Jesus. As far as possible, the scriptures say, be at peace with all people. Pursue peace and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. He is our peace. He's broken down the hostility. He gives perfect peace to the receptive. He, you want to be joined undisturbed with Jesus and, and one another, all together with no conflict. That's my prayer for this church. It's my prayer for my own life, my own household. If you know, if depravity didn't exist, we wouldn't have to have peace talks. If man wasn't hopelessly lost, floating on a sea of his own, devices or in a prison of his own making. We wouldn't need 
counseling. I think what we think is, well, if our marriages and families and churches would all be getting along. But there's only one way it's going to happen. As Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Literally act as arbiter. Be the referee. Let the peace of God go back to Jesus. Because God in his manifold wisdom has created us such, built us such, designed us such, that we would be 100% dependent upon him at every moment. In Ezekiel, God says, I will make with you a covenant of peace. He's talking about Jesus. He says, understand your need for peace. You've got to go back, all the way back to Adam and Eve. And you've got to realize God planted them in the perfect garden with everything they needed. And th- but they sinned. They spurned God. And so Adam and Eve lived under the curse. And with the curse, though, God gave a promise the promise of a seed born of a woman, that he would make everything right again, that he would restore all that has been broken, that he would bring peace where there's been strife, where strife had raged like an angry sea, he would bring calm. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, who had known only peace, realized that they would do battle and that they would have dirt as an enemy and thorns as a constant reminder of their sin. But the promised seed would come into this conflict and fight and, de- and defeat the serpent and bring peace. Isaiah sums all the promises up, all the expectations up and says, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The Prince of Peace. This one lived and died and rose again. Conquering sin, conquering death, conquering sorrow, conquering conflict. As Malachi 4.2 says, he rose with healing in his wings. The seed was fully man, fully God. In, in Christ, Colossians 2.10 says, the whole fullness of deity dwells in, in bodily form. And so sin, conceived in the garden, which takes root in each and every human heart and bears tragic fruit and has messed your life up. You have been affected because you are infected was dealt with at the cross. And God is merciful. He gave sons to Adam and Eve, but none were the seed. He gave his only son. And in him, all is set right. In him, peace is a reality because the Prince of Peace reigns. The peace that you long for is found only in Christ. And Lord, we praise you and thank you that Jesus regained the paradise we lost. And there will come a day where Jesus will right all wrongs and we will know as we have been fully known. We'll see you face to face. There will be no more tears or pain or sin or conflict. Nations will flock to you, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Every longing will be fulfilled, every injury healed, and and we will be at peace. And we will praise you forever. We thank you. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen.
And now we come to the table of peace. A table where as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The death that brought peace to all who were far off, all who would believe. And we come to this table, and just like the prayer that we saw today, it's for believers. This table is for believers. This table is for all who have placed their faith in Christ alone. They're trusting him for forgiveness, new life, and the peace that passes understanding. We come to this table, we reflect upon what Jesus did at the cross. Paul said, as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death. We preach the gospel. We remember the gospel. This is for believers. Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, gave it to them. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink of it, all of you. And Lord, we thank you and praise you that we can remember the blood that was shed to bring us peace with you purchased our redemption, purchased our pardon, that our life would belong to you forever as we come to you and worship you and trust you for salvation. Thank you for this table of remembrance. Our hearts desire in moments like this for your return to restore all things. Until that day, we pray our lives would be a, a shining reflection of your peace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand if you're able as we close worshiping. sacrifice
So glad we could gather together today. I'm thankful for those that have been able to watch online. If you're able to be with us, we'd love to have you join us in person. There's a lot of opportunities to connect with other people and experience the peace that Jesus provides. We have Bible classes and home groups and Bible studies and men's and women's groups and children's and youth and take advantage of those opportunities and uh, share the peace. All right, our benediction is Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. And now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Sovereign in the mountain air, sovereign.